Well, good morning, First Prez family. I hope and pray that each of you are doing well and staying safe. Uh, I know that I really miss getting to be together, uh, but I trust that the Lord has us where we are and that our lives today are in His hands. This morning, we're going to spend a few moments diving back into Mark together. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be looking at Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. I'm going to read that passage for us and then pray, and then we'll spend a few minutes working through it together. Again, Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. This is God's Word. Then he, Jesus, returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephathah, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to comprehend, and our hearts to to believe the wonderful things that you've laid for us in your word this morning. Make us good students, we pray. Send forth your spirit. Speak, O Lord, we, your servants, are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we dive into this simple story this morning, one of the questions that we've got to ask ourselves is, what is this miracle teaching us about who Jesus is and what he's up to in our lives? I was reading something earlier this week, and uh, this statement really helped crystallize for me how we should approach these accounts of Jesus' miracles. The author was writing, and he said this, When we finish reading a miracle... We ought to pause and say, Jesus, show me what this is saying about you. What he means is that miracles are like signposts that point beyond the act itself and they teach us something about who Jesus is and they teach us something about what Jesus is up to. And this miracle here before us is no different. And it's interesting that there's another clue that Mark gives us that will help us understand his intention in including this specific miracle in his account of the gospel. In our scripture reading a few minutes ago, we read Isaiah chapter 35. And the reason why is because Mark alludes to Isaiah 35 multiple times in this story. In verse 32, Mark tells us that the man who is brought to Jesus has a speech impediment. Literally, that he he speaks with difficulty. Other translations say that this man was mute. In Greek, this is a a very particular word that's only used one other time in the Bible, in Isaiah 35. 
And whenever one of the biblical writers quotes or alludes to an Old Testament text like Mark has done here, their intention is to tell us that if we're truly going to understand what's taking place, then we have to understand what's going on in the Old Testament text that they reference. In a sense, the Old Testament text functions like a sign that points us in the direction of the right interpretation. And if you were going to go back and study Isaiah chapter 35, here is what you would find. Isaiah 35 is the last chapter in the first major section of the book of Isaiah. And in the chapters leading up to chapter 35, Isaiah is writing one oracle of judgment after another uh, to Israel and to the surrounding nations. But when we get to chapter 35, the tide totally turns. Instead of judgment, Isaiah begins to promise that salvation will come for God's people. Isaiah says that a day is coming when the Lord of glory himself will return with salvation in his hand. In verses 5 to 6, Isaiah describes how the salvation will look. Isaiah says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Does that sound familiar? He goes on to say that the lame shall leap like a deer and that the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. And the word for mute is that same word that Mark tells us is true of the man that got brought to Jesus with a speech impediment. Think about that. The prophet Isaiah, filled with the Spirit of God, is led to write to God's people that a day is coming where the Lord of glory will bring salvation to His people, a day where blindness and deafness and lameness and muteness will be undone. And then Mark tells us a story about Jesus, who opens a deaf man's ears and who unbinds a mute man's tongue. So here's the big idea that Mark is trying to communicate to us, which we're going to spend a few minutes considering ourselves. Mark, in including this uh, account of this miracle of Jesus, is, is trying to say this to us. Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory who brings God's salvation. And He brings God's salvation by opening our ears to hear the gospel of the kingdom. And he brings God's salvation by loosing our tongues to praise and proclaim Jesus is the only worthy king. And I know that's a mouthful. Let me, let me say this again because this is where we're going. This is what Mark is trying to say to us. Jesus Christ is the Isaiah 35 Lord of glory who brings God's salvation. And He brings God's salvation by opening our ears to hear Jesus. And He brings God's salvation by opening our mouths to praise Jesus and to proclaim Him. Open ears and open mouths. This is what Mark tells us Jesus is up to in our lives. And I want us to consider each of those briefly this morning. First, Jesus wants us to have open ears that hear the gospel 
of the kingdom. And so some of you might be thinking, Josh, I, I understand what you're saying, uh, but I'm a Christian. My ears are already open to hear the gospel. I believe in Jesus already. And this very well might be true, and in that I rejoice. But Mark's intention is to show us that Jesus' ongoing work of salvation in our lives is one where our ears must be continually tuned to hear and heed the good news of the kingdom. Think about it. In the story, the man was literally deaf. He couldn't hear anything. And his inability to hear is symptomatic of something that for us as Christians is far more dangerous. And that's the reality that for many of us, the the voice of Jesus is not the dominant voice that echoes in our minds and hearts and therefore our lives. For many of us, though we claim Christ, the good news that fills our hearts and minds and shapes our lives is not the gospel of the kingdom. It's some other voice. We're spiritually hard of hearing. We have tuned our ears to another frequency. For some of us, the gospel that we are hearing and living is the gospel of financial security that says if I can just accumulate enough wealth and stuff, then I'll be insulated against anything that life brings. For others, the gospel we're hearing and living is that my value and worth is defined by what I do, whether that be an interim homeschool teacher or a medical professional on the front lines. The truth is that all of us are hearing something. There is a message. There is a voice that is shaping our hearts, that is shaping our minds, and ultimately shaping our lives. And what Mark is telling us is that Jesus is coming to you today to stick his fingers in your ears so that they might be tuned to his voice, to hear the only truly good news, the gospel of the kingdom, that there is life and purpose and meaning and security and fulfillment but that it's not offered in anything the world puts forward. It's offered in Jesus, the Lord of glory, who has come with salvation in his hand. If the past weeks have taught us anything, surely it's that the shoe can drop at any moment in the foundation and security that we thought was sure can crumble beneath us. This is why Jesus seeks to open our ears and tune them to his voice so that our lives are built on the solid rock that endures. You know, one of the things that I find fascinating about this story is that Jesus draws this man away from the crowd where ultimately he's alone with Jesus And I think one of the reasons why he does this is because he wants his voice to be the only voice that this man hears. He he doesn't want the first words that this man hears to be drowned out by the crowd. Imagine that experience. The first and only voice you hear is that of Jesus. This is what Jesus is after in each of our lives. 
to tune our ears again this morning so that His voice, the gospel of the kingdom, is the lone voice that shapes all we are and do. You know, there's a couple of questions we need to ask ourselves this morning as we consider this. And one of those questions is, what are the voices that we're listening to? Whose voice, what gospel has tuned our ears and captured our attention? Is it the voice of financial security that we mentioned? Or the voice that says my worth is in what I achieve and do, either good or bad? Is it the voice that says life is all about getting mine and serving self and climbing the ladder? Is it the voice that says comfort and ease are the path to the good life? Is it the voice that says our ultimate hope and security is found in a vaccine or in a political party or agenda or in the attention and affection of another person? Whose voice are you hearing? Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the creator and sustainer of everything, who by his powerful words spoke all things into existence, has his fingers in your ears this morning. And he's saying to you, listen to me. This is the same Jesus who says he'll never leave nor forsake you. This is the same Jesus who promises to be with you always. This is the same Jesus who promises that nothing can take you out of his hand. This is the same Jesus who right now is praying for you and says he's preparing a place for you that you might be with him always. His voice is the only one worth hearing. Another critical question to ask ourselves is, what are you doing to put yourself in places to hear Jesus' voice? Are you reading the Word regularly? Are you taking advantage of the FPO Bible reading plan and the other resources that we're putting out each week? If not our resources, are you engaging other resources that help you connect with God and His Word? Are you setting aside time on Sunday to engage the Lord in worship with your family or by yourself? Are you finding ways to stay connected to brothers and sisters so that iron sharpens iron? Jesus is speaking in His Word. What are you doing to put yourself in a place to hear? Jesus, the Lord of glory, is coming to save you this morning by opening your ears to hear His voice, the only truly good news, the gospel of the kingdom. We said also that the salvation Jesus brings is the opening of our mouths to praise and proclaim Jesus. Mark tells us that after opening the man's ears, Jesus opens or unbinds his tongue and that he begins to speak plainly. Mark doesn't give us this detail, but presumably between verses 35 and 36, the man returns to the crowd and with his own voice functioning properly, tells them what Jesus has done. 
And naturally, the, the crowd is utterly amazed and astonished to the point that Mark tells us that they would not even heed Jesus' own words to keep things quiet. Interestingly, Mark tells us that the more Jesus asked them to keep quiet, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And the word that Mark uses for the proclamation of what Jesus has done is the same word that's used throughout the Bible for when disciples witness and testify to the gospel. Think about that. Jesus opens the mouth of this one man and he proclaims the work of Jesus to the crowds. The crowds, amazed by what they've seen, begin testifying themselves about this man, Jesus, who opens deaf ears and unstops closed mouths. This is what Jesus' ongoing work of salvation does in our lives. It makes us proclaimers. You know, this week, the FPO Bible reading plan had us in the book of Acts. And and I was reminded earlier this week in Acts chapter 1 that uh, one of the primary works of the Spirit within us is to make us bold and courageous witnesses. This is the promise of Acts chapter 1-8 where Jesus tells His disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And as a result, you will be my witnesses. When Jesus opens our ears to hear the gospel again, he simultaneously unleashes our tongues to proclaim him. You know, one of the common truths of the world is that human beings are eager to talk about what they love. If you spend almost any time with me, it's almost certain that I'm going to find a way to bring up European soccer. I love it. And as a result, it pours out into the daily places where I go, the people with whom I interact. We, we all know what it's like to have that friend, maybe like me, that we know what, whatever else we might talk about, somehow this specific topic is going to be brought up. Maybe it's Auburn sports or your grandkids. Maybe it's the most recent book you've read or podcast that you've listened to. Maybe it's this new diet fad or workout plan. We all know what that's like. And for those of us who claim Christ this morning, it ought to be said that somehow, some way, we find ourselves talking about Jesus because at the center of our heart's affections, He's there. It's His voice. It's His gospel that's shaping us at our core. This should be true of our conversations with one another as brother and sister in Christ. And this should be true of our interactions with our friends and neighbors. This doesn't mean that we beat our neighbors over the head with the Bible. Wisdom certainly says to be measured and prayerful and thoughtful about how and when we speak. But if the promise is that the Spirit will empower us to be bold witnesses, then at some point we have to speak. Everyone who truly hears Jesus ends up proclaiming Jesus. It's one of the evidences that we've actually heard Him. So what about you? What would your family and friends say is your favorite topic of conversation?
It doesn't have to be only Jesus, but hopefully Jesus and what he's done for you is one of the dominant answers. When Jesus opens our ears to hear, he opens our mouths to proclaim. As we uh, close our time this morning, I, uh, I want us to behold together one more beautiful gospel truth from this short miracle account. Mark tells us in verse 34 that right before he utters the command for the man's ears and mouths to be opened, that Jesus looks up to heaven and he sighs. He sighs. This word is used throughout the Bible and is often translated as sighing or groaning. It's the word that Paul tells us in Romans 8 is true of creation and of us, that we groan, we long for Jesus to come back and to restore us. One thing I was reading this week said that sighing and groaning takes place by reason of a condition or oppression under which we suffer and from which we long to be free because it's not in accord with our nature or our expectations or our hopes. In essence, we, we sigh and groan when we're brought face to face with the harsh reality and struggle of life in a sinful world and body. But Mark tells us that Jesus sighs. He groans. And in Isaiah 35, that passage we've already mentioned, the final verse says this, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And listen to this. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. When the Lord of glory comes... He will take our sighing and our groaning upon Himself. He is the one who sighs and groans for us so that one day we will never have to groan again. And in its place, we'll have joy and gladness. This is the salvation that Jesus, the Lord of glory, brings. He opens our ears to hear His voice of salvation. And He unbinds our mouths to proclaim Him. He is the one who groans for us that we might be free to experience joy and gladness. Brothers and sisters, this is your God. This is your King. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our time around your word. And we pray uh, that as a result of it, our ears would be more tuned to hear your voice. And that our mouths, our tongues uh, would speak boldly and loudly of how great and wonderful you are. Uh, To that end, we commit ourselves and pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.